Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. God, we thank you. We exalt your name. We appreciate you for your faithfulness. Thank you once again for your love. We are here, Father, to receive instructions. We ask the Lord that by your spirit you bring conviction to our hearts in that to God which we are going to be declaring, especially in the heart of our hearers. Thank you, Father God, for edification in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we continue with our study on the genealogy of Christ. And this is going to be part number eight, the genealogy of Christ. And we said that before, we're taking this from uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1. It talks about the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, son of David and the son of Abraham. Amen? And then we go down to our main text again, which is Revelation 20, and verse 11 to 12. Revelation 20, 11 to 12. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead and small and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is a book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Amen? Yeah, we've been dealing with this, and uh, as we progress on this, let me also remind us in relation to the issue of judgment, and to emphasize the fact that the end of all divine judgment, no matter how the form, no matter how it's subject, all is meant to bring the whole universe into harmony with his will, nature, glory, and purpose in Christ. All judgment are moving towards one thing, to achieve one thing for God, and that is that all things will come together in Christ as God has ordained them from the very beginning. Uh, last week I said we're going to be dealing a little bit with Acts chapter 17, verse 30. So we'll go down to Acts 17, 30, and verse 31. Acts 17, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked out, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. And verse 31 says, Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world, righteousness, but that man whom he had ordained, wherefore he had given assurance unto all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anytime I read this passage, I send a whole lot of message to my mind. When you look at this passage, um, let's analyze the things we find in that passage. Number one, God has given assurance, but then he said he has appointed the day. That's the number of the first thing you're going to get from that passage. He has appointed the day. Number two, that in that day, 
He shall judge the world in what? Righteousness. I'm trying to give you some facts from this passage. So the first thing we'll find there is appointed a day. The second thing is what? He has appointed in the way to judge the world in what? In righteousness. The third thing is he, God, shall judge the world by a man whom he has ordained. And then the fourth thing is through this man he has given an assurance to who? To all men. So know those things. Those are the things you find from the passage. First one is he has appointed a day. Second thing is the day into which he will judge the world in righteousness. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? And that that judgment is going to be through one man. And by reason of that one man, he gave an assurance to one man. So we're going to look at this things a little bit. Now, this judgment day is not spelling out doom or calamity or destruction. The way we have always believed it or seen it. And I'm going to be to dread it, but rather... It is such a wonderful, blessed day of assurance unto all men. That's the person I want you to pick. He said, it's a day that we give an assurance unto all, unto all men. So, when we are looking at this day of judgment, we are looking at the day that God has given an assurance unto all men. In other words, what will be the assurance that is given? Like I said before, the assurance is that he raised the son. Praise the living God. So, it should be seen as a blessed day and not a day of dread and fear and terrible things that perhaps are going to happen. Because God has appointed his day, like we said before, that he will judge the world in what? In righteousness. By the man whom he has appointed. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. And we know that that man is who? Is Christ. So he appointed his day for a purpose in Christ and for that day to come to realization, he gave an assurance. It's just like God giving you a glorified body, like we find in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 5, that one of the reasons you have to believe that you're going to have a glorified body is because he gave you the Holy Spirit. So the assurance of a glorified body is because you have the Holy Spirit. Now the assurance of the righteousness of God is because he raised Christ from the grave. What the blessing, what the judgment of God will produce, He gave you assurance for this, and that is that men are going to be raised just like the Son was raised. Because assurance is to all men, not to believers. Everybody. Praise the Lord. So this very man, in his own son, like we know, died the death of all mankind. So what is the assurance that He, God, will raise His Son from the dead? So the assurance is given to all men that just as God raised the son from the dead, he's going to raise all men from the dead. That's the assurance. I don't know if you're getting this. Good. What is the assurance? He's saying, hey, you all, you better listen to me or look at this. I want to make you understand that exactly what I did in my son, that's what I'm going to do in your life. So, have this hope that I'm going to raise all men who died in Adam. And you say, but how is that going to be possible? I'll give you the assurance because I raised my son. Okay, go with me to Hebrews 12, I mean Hebrews 9, take 27 to 28. <coughs> Excuse me. Take 27 to 28. 
Hallelujah. Wow. Listen to this. As it is appointed unto men wants to die, but after this the judgment. And I'm going to explain that. I think part 18 when I get there. So Christ, now you see the word, so it's a conjunction. It's connecting verse 27 to verse 28. I don't know if getting that. The two are coming together. So as the appointed unto men wants to die after the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin unto salvation. But I'm, I thought you were saved. So what is the meaning of that? Have you ever considered this? <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at it again. Unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time not without sin. Go with me to Amplify. Take it from Amplify Translation, verse 28. Uh, the King John doesn't seem to express it properly the way it's supposed to be. Even so, it is Christ, I mean, so Christ, having been offered to take upon himself and bear a burden, the sins of many, once and for all, will appear a second time, not to carry any burden of sin, not to deal with sin, but to bring to full salvation those who are eagerly, constantly, patiently waiting for and expecting him. Can you get that? Bring to full salvation. What's the full salvation? The glorification of your body. So even if you are a person, Jesus will come a second time. It's not to come to deal with sin. It's not coming for anything. It's coming to glorify those who are waiting eagerly for him. That's the salvation we're waiting for. So you are saved. You are being saved. You shall be saved. You are saved in your spirit. You are being saved in your soul. You shall be saved in your body. I don't know if you are following this. But the key point I want you to see here, back to King James, is that as appointed other man wants to die. So what's the meaning of that? Men were dying, and so he has to die. By implication, he took your death that you should not die. And that is heavy. I don't know if you are following that. You see, it's appointed to men wants to die. What's the appointment? The day you eat of this tree, Genesis chapter 2, the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. That was the appointment. A man ate. Judgment followed. What was the judgment? From your faith that you ate, and dust that you go to the dust. Are you getting that? Genesis chapter 2, he gave the appointment. Genesis chapter 3, the appointment was fulfilled, and the judgment followed. What was the judgment? The punishment and the dying that man was supposed to die. So, now, he took that appointment so that you should not take it. I don't know if I get in that. Somebody say, you mean I can't die? <laughs> I know your heart is scared. You're scared about it. You have to say yes to that. You see, Jesus was speaking one time. And they made a statement concerning John, the beloved. Peter came and said, what are you trying to say about him? You mean he's not going to die? Jesus said, what is your business about that? What about if I say he shouldn't? So what happens? Amen. I said, just mind your business. Hallelujah. So Jesus took the appointment. So, everything that Adam plays on you, Jesus is taking away from you. The first place that the judgment began was that of the forehead, sweating, laboring, shall you eat. The ground was cursed. 
The dogs become the food of the serpent. How many of you remember that? Now we know that serpent doesn't eat dogs, doesn't eat humans. Serpent eats frogs, protein. So what dust was that that the serpent was supposed to be eating? Some said, God, you remember it, that, I mean, know it, our frame, and you remember it, that we are what dust. So serpent was made to feed a man. That is part of the judgment that came upon man because they ate of the tree. Not humans. You don't see animals, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Serpent eating humans, whatever. No, no. They look for worms. They, look, they eat protein. That's why they come looking for eggs. They come looking for chickens in your, in your yard. Is that okay? Right. So the dust that God said man, I mean the serpent to eat, was man. The soulish man. The Adamic man. But when you put on the glory of God, there is no way the serpent can feed on you. So now, because man was meant to die, Jesus had to die. So he kept the appointment. So that you will not keep the appointment. That's why I keep telling you that you were not and you are not supposed to be judged as a sinner. Because he took your sin upon himself. The punishment of your sin were laid upon him. Therefore, there is no way God is going to judge you for sins you committed when, especially in the case of being in Adam. But what has happened? He judges you in form of punishment, in form of chastisement, in form of beating with many stripes. For whom he loveth, he does what? He chastened. Are you getting that? So he took the appointment. So what are we saying here? All men were meant to die. Jesus took the appointment. What's the next thing? So we'll go back now to the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 31. What is that supposed to mean? He's given an assurance to all men. After he took the appointment, he raised him from the grave. Remember that? Good. So now he's saying, all men that died in Adam, just like Jesus took the appointment of the dead, and rose again from the grave, so also shall everyone rise from the grave. So the appointment is all men. The resurrection is for all men. The assurance is for who? All men, not some people. Praise God. So the resurrection of Christ from the grave is the assurance that he has given to all men. That they are also going to be what? Going to be raised. It shall sign a hope for all mankind that all they who have died shall be raised just like the Son of God himself was raised from the grave. How wonderful would that be looking like? And how wonderful do you see the judgment of God? The result, the finality of God's judgment is that all men will come out of the grave. Hallelujah. Praise God. So now, that day is not just talking about maybe one specific day or a 24 hours day period when all mankind, you know, will come out of the grave. All those may have died right from the days of Adam. All of them will not line up. And then just follow you like that, you know. And I told you that before. That is not what he's talking about. That is too elementary. A way of looking at scriptures. That is, is good for films. It's good for video thing. But that is not the word of God. Hallelujah. You know how many people have died from the days of Adam down to this hour? Billions and billions of people. Right, and you expect them to line up one day, and uh, too cheap, man. Hallelujah. So, but that's what religion taught us. They're going to line up, face God on the judgment throne. Everybody, right from Adam, 
resurrect from the grave. Oh, glory. How many of you have read in the scriptures, Mark, I think Mark chapter 12, right? When the Bible talks about you and all knowing the scriptures, when the Sadducees came to Jesus. And they said, hey, Jesus, can you tell us this? You think you're smart, but can you tell us this? Mark chapter 12. And he went and said, here was a brother that married, uh, I mean a sister that married seven brothers. First one died, no child. Second one died, no child. All of them died, no child. On the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? You tell us. And Jesus said, you err not knowing the scriptures. Why? Because God is not a God of the dead, but what? A God of the living. Haven't you heard it when God spoke to Abraham, I mean to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Therefore, God is not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. So Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, they are not in the grave. Jesus said that. You don't want to believe it, fine. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, the God of the living is not a God of the dead. You, you, you don't want to believe that, fine, no problem. You think everybody in the cemetery, they're going to come up one day, line up, and then facing God somewhere. You, you're deceiving yourself. That is my Bible. Jesus said it, that nobody is in the cemetery. Even in the days of Moses, he told him, God is not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. Hallelujah. Look at that. Hallelujah. You see, go back to verse 26. Mark 12, look at verse 26. And it is said, As touching the dead, that they rise. Look at that. That's resurrection now. As touching the dead, that they rise. <laughs> Have you not read in the book of Moses, how in the bush God spoke unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Look at the next thing. He is not the God of the dead, but what? The God of the living. Ye therefore do broadly what? Eh, not knowing the scriptures. Terrible. Did you get that? God is not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. That is to say, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are what? They are alive. Are they going to be alive except they have resurrected? And so you're waiting for a resurrection day? No, 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 you miss it. You can't find it anywhere in Bible. It tells you that people in the cemetery are going to be exploded up one day and they come up a resurrection. That's not what the Bible teaches. Glory to God. But it's hard for the average Christian to believe what I'm talking about. But yet, this is the truth of the scripture. Everybody is all around us. Hallelujah. Abraham could be here right now. <laughs> Amen. Praise God, somebody. That's why I read in Hebrew chapter 12, verse number 1. We compass about with so great a cloud of all witnesses. You know that what? He said, let us run this race that said before us. What is that supposed to mean? If you are running a race in a stadium, there are people on the podium that watches you. Praise God. That means all of those men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Gideon, what about Samson? They are all watching us even right now in fellowship. They want to see how we can go on with the faith that we have that they never had. Sometimes their life will live perfect those who have gone before us. Men will not see, be able to see that. Why are they watching you? Watching you to do what? Praise God. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. <coughs> Sorry. So, what is he talking about to us? When the judgment day to come, let us find out from the scripture as well. 
appointed day, the day which will judge the world. The word will, the word will, when he said, he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world. We're back again now to Acts chapter 17 and 31, right? He has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world. The word will judge the world is the word mellow. And it means through the idea of expectation. It means to intend, that is, be about to be. Mellow means to be about to be. Something that just about to happen. He has appointed a going the will judge the world. Most Italian translation will read, because he has set a day, which is about to judge the world in righteousness. Literal translation. So now, if 2,000 years ago, Paul would say God is about to, what is it supposed to mean? Hallelujah. Amen? Paul, all of those times, was saying, hey, come on, this is what I know. In my time, God is about to judge the world. That is not talking about some 2,000 years to come. He wasn't saying that. He's just about to do it. And we try to explain from the very beginning that judgment is not waiting. Remember already the book of Second Timothy? Some sin are open to go, others are coming before, right? Praise the living God. Amen? And I want you to know because this is very important. It talks about the nearness of action. Speaking of what the point of ready to do. What he just stated of what he intends to do. He's about to do something. That's what the word mellow means. It's like saying no more delay. He has appointed it in the which you will judge the world. No more delay. That's what he said. And they were said some 2,000 years ago. And you're still reading it now and thinking that it's going to happen tomorrow. And all your mind is, well, when God is going to judge the world, he has appointed one day he's going to judge the world. It's because we are too lazy to sit down and say the scriptures. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I share something today on Facebook. Let me just interject that here. Look at Matthew 25. I want to show you something that will shock you. That people don't take time to read because we are too lazy to study the word. Matthew 25. I just want to read. But you know the story of the ten virgins, right? Good. Fine. That's part of when Jesus comes, ten virgins. We're going to fly up, meet him up in the sky. Blah, blah, blah. All this kind of stuff. Now, how many of you remember the word meet doesn't mean to go. Meet means to welcome. In the Bible, you don't meet people and go to where they are going to. You meet people and bring them to where they are coming to. The real meaning of the word meet is to welcome. So when you say to meet the world and to meet the Lord in the air, what you're actually talking about is to get united with him as the bride and the bridegroom. In the spirit. Air speaks of spirit. Hallelujah. But let me show you this. No, which is this used to be the rapture. Now remember, as I tried to point out, it was then shall the kingdom of God. Then shall the kingdom of God. When you look at that word then, something has happened before the word then. In other words, after this has happened, then, what is that supposed to mean? Judgment of Jerusalem, AD 70, Matthew 24. Once that finished happening, then the kingdom. 
You didn't see that? And this is a parable. Now you don't take parable and begin to look at it literally. And then they tell you, well, the ten foolish virgins, they're going to lose the whole show. And the main man will cry, wise one will go, fly up. I'm not teaching all of that. I just want to show you something. Go with me to verse 11. Verse 11. Afterward, okay, go to verse 10 and then 11. Let's look at it. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they already went in with him to the marriage and the doors were shut. Now we assume from what we've been told, this is heaven. They'll be raptured. Amen? Question is verse 11. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Question, how did they get to heaven when they've been left behind already? Come on, are you following that? Because when rapture takes place, we go up to heaven, we're eating, dining with the Lord Jesus Christ, and guess what? These foolish virgins came up there. Who brought them? Which, early, which plane brought them there? How did they come there knocking on the door when we have been raptured already? Men don't read the Bible. Did you see that? You say when the rapture comes in, you don't know, everybody just got up. Now, fine. They call some people left behind. Now, the left behind has come to your doorstep knocking where you're eating. You know, what have you done? You've done nothing. All of you are in the same place. You are just thinking that you are smart. You are not. Look at it there. People don't see this verse. They don't read it. They probably end the verse 10 and close the book. And tell the people how they are going to be flying away. The wise virgin. But this, the, the, the foolish virgins, they are so stubborn. That no matter where you go to, they are coming there. And then they come to the door and say, Master, come on, open the door now. Which one is your own? Open for us too. <laughs> With what to face. Can you imagine that? And you call that a rapture? Deception. Because some people are lazy. That's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. So when Paul is talking about the day for judgment, not talking about some future date, he was saying judgment is about to begin. Even in his own time. Praise the living God. So what he was talking about, Paul teach the future. He wasn't teaching this future judgment the way we know it today. He wouldn't have used that word, which is an active present word, mellow. He wouldn't have used that word as a matter of fact. So Paul was saying the judgment was about to take place in his days. Now look at the way Jesus put that. John 12 verse 31. The same sense of now is the judgment. Look at the way he put it. John 12, 31. Now is what? The judgment of this world. Now shall what? The prince of this world be what? Be judged. Now. Now some time to come. Even in these days. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. So the eye is coming and now it is. In other words, that which shall be is already begun and shall continue to be. That is, it had begun already and is continuing until the final consummation of all that is the intent and purposes of God. For which reason he began the judgment, we accumulate. And like I said before, Ephesians 1.10, 
all things coming together in who? In Christ. In the ages to come. Hallelujah. I will see here. Amen? Alright. So when he said the hour is coming and now is Jesus case now. He talks about when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You can look at that in John chapter 4 verse 20, 23 and 24 for God is spirit. But the hour cometh and now is. Remember I was talking to the Samaritan woman. When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh source to do what? To worship him. Verse 24 and I say, for God is spirit. I mean, if you remember. And everybody I told them, you are not going to be going to any location called Jerusalem. Neither in this mountain, Mount Moriah, to worship God. That is to say, you worship God in your spirit. And God is looking for people to worship him in the spirit, not in a location. He is saying the worship of God is getting out of the location. It's coming to your own spirit. Because that's where he lives in. Are you, are you following what I'm talking about? When he said now is, what he means to say is, I am example of true worshippers and how people are going to be worshipping God from now on. By implication. Are you following what I'm saying? The hour is coming and now is. By implication, me talking to you now, I've started worshipping God in spirit, not in a location. And more people are going to be worshipping God in this way. That's what he was saying. Now is. Because, you see, but according to the book of Colossians, it has to take preeminence in everything. Amen? Right. So, to demonstrate the nature of worship that God is looking for, it has to exemplify it. And that's why I use the word, now is. As I'm talking to you, a true worshiper is worshiping God right now. So where do you worship God as a true worshiper? In your spirit. Not in the location. Not in Jerusalem. No, no, no. Praise God. Are you there? So you're meant to say the time for universal worship of God as opposed to a localized worship of God has begun. And I began it. That's what I was trying to tell the woman. From this moment, I've started it. Other people are going to come to follow suit. In other words, universally, we can worship God wherever you find yourself. You don't need to fly to Jerusalem to be able to worship God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, again look at John chapter 5 verse 25. Jesus speaking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. This is the sense of the word mellow. He has appointed a day in which you will judge the world. The world will judge the world. Has to do with the word mellow. Which means that which is about to begin right now. The nearness of action. And Jesus saying the hour is coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and the year shall live. For as the Father had life in himself, so has he given to the Son. To do what? To have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. Hallelujah. What is the meaning of that? The beginning of judgment is tied to the hearing the voice of God. Very simple. Hearing the voice of the Son of God. The beginning of judgment is hearing the voice of the Son of God. You just need to take that from me. Hallelujah. 
He thought of what the hour is coming, and now is. The resurrection is coming, and now is. The judgment is coming, and now is. Are you following that? Praise the living God. Everything is not in the future. Jesus wasn't saying that. Paul wasn't saying that. Everything was now is. That's what it began. Mellow. And so, what happened? Why did judgment happen yet? The inhabitant of the earth will do what? We learn righteousness. We said that last week, right? Isaiah 26 and verse number 9. Praise God. Are you still with me? Alright. Few more minutes for today. Praise God. Okay. Like I said before, you can't be reading the Bible like we're looking at the same uh, Revelation 20, 11, 12. Talking about the books are open and all of that. I said that before. You can't be looking at the Bible and thinking that, well, you just read it and whatever you see there is the way it is. If we have to go by that way, that simply means when we talk about the Lamb, it must have four legs to walk. But as long as we know that that is not the way it is, then we must also conclude that when we talk about the books and the beast, all in the Bible, book of Revelation, it doesn't stand for that which is literal. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Okay. Now, when we look at this, Revelation 20, 11, 12 again. We look at the books. The way we already said that they are symbolic. Revelation 20, 11, and all of that. Yet we find the dead which shall stand before God. Or before the judgment throne. So the dead shall stand before the judgment throne. Right? Of the great white throne. Hallelujah. Are we thinking about those who are dead in the cemetery? Not at all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Your mind should be off when you say the dead shall stand. When a dead man is dead, he should be lying down. How is he standing? Dead shall stand. I mean, can you get that? Dead man standing. It's only in, in, in Congo that you do that. In Congo, they don't have a means of transportation, so they are carrying people to the cemetery. They tie them behind Okada riders, put a pulling on there, tie them. Dead people sit on the. Yeah, Congo can do that, but that's my Bible, and that's not what you practice as well. The dead standing. How can a dead man stand? That's a question. Except there have to be a resurrection. But the point is, we're talking of those who are dead in the cemetery. Ephesians 2, please help me with that. Ephesians 2, verse number 1. And you had a quickened who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. That's what the son is for. So the dead are not talking about those in the cemetery. Talking about those who are not having the life of God. They're standing. Not those lying down in the grave. Hallelujah. So the dead is not literal. You have to understand it. Then the books are not literal books that you find in your library. They are not. Then again we find that since the Lamb... Now open the book in chapter 5, it's not the four-legged anymore. You can't imagine that the books are literal books. They are not literal books. 
They are people. The throne is not a physical throne with one figure sitting on it. So then, you see the white throne, and then that's the way it's painted for you with pictures. You see Jesus sitting there with the eyes that look like a baby. Huh? Don't you see how the eyes of Jesus look like calendars? Hallelujah. Sitting on the throne and looking at you that way. That's the kind of thing you expected. I know people dream about that. How do you dream about things like that? You'll be wondering. It's a possible. People dream about it. People have seen the white throne. Yes. That's your mindset. In the multitude of business, they want no dream. They lack no dream. The thing you're thinking about, the things are being, you know, that is the only way God can reveal himself to you because that's what you know. Praise the Lord. So we're saying everything we're dealing with in Revelation 20, they are not literal things, but symbolic. They are symbols. The throne is symbolic. He that sitting on it right there, I mean the books and the book, they are symbolic. Hallelujah. So who are the dead that are standing before mankind? I mean before the throne. It's simply all my kind without Christ. The dead that are standing before the throne, that I will stand before the throne, are the whole of humanity. How I many of you remember? The Bible says he has given assurance to who? All men. So the all men that are dead are the ones that are standing before the throne. Praise God. And the Bible will tell you as in Adam all die. Remember that? Praise the living God. One thing is certain. When Jesus came into this world, he made the world as a cemetery. There was nobody that was alive when Jesus came. The whole world was a cemetery, walking tombs. There were all corpses. We were all cops walking on the streets. Dead people. I don't know if you're getting there. Look at Jesus. Somebody. The book of Luke there. And, and, and the person says, I will follow you. And Jesus called the guy, come follow me. I'm the kingdom. And the guy said, no, my father just died. Let me go bury my father. Then I come. What did he say? Let the dead bury the dead. So anyone that is not in Christ is dead. That is just what he's saying. So the dead standing before the Lord have nothing to do with people in the cemetery. They have to do with everyone that have not received Christ. Are you following it? Praise God. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 8 verse 6 tells it, to be carnally minded is what? Is dead. To be carnally minded is dead. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Okay. So go back again to Ephesians 2. Let's look at this. At the final properly. Ephesians 2 verse number 1. And then we'll look at Ephesians 5 verse 14. And ye had it quickened or given life who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead. Remember the dead are standing before the throne. Hallelujah. Now go with me to Ephesians 5 verse 14. Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepest, 
and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give the world life. Praise the Lord. Awake that are sleepers and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give the world light. This is talking about man who doesn't have Christ. So we're talking about dead people. We're not talking about those in the cemetery. I keep on emphasizing. The dead people that are standing before the throne are men that have no Christ in their lives. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's know the firstly that the dead here is not referring to billions of people who have lived and died standing before God in judgment in the literal throne. That is not scripture. What happened when the dead stand up? If you look at the scripture there in Revelation 20 again, what happened when the dead stands up? The first thing that happened is as soon as the people stand up before the Lord, the books are open. You can read it again. The dead, look at it. And I saw a great white throne, and he had a sight on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. I think I've explained heaven and earth to you before. Yeah. It's not talking about literal heaven and earth, no. These are talking about the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Amen. It gave way because the Old Testament was controlling people. You know, that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and said the same thing that until heaven and earth pass away, my words. Remember that? Right. What is that supposed to mean? Until the tabernacle gives way, my words shall not fall down, will be fulfilled. You find the same day Lamentation chapter 3. We don't go into all of that. Hallelujah. So when a man stands before the throne, go back again to verse number 12 now. Look at verse 12. Hallelujah. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Instant. When you stand before God, your books is open. Hallelujah. Number two, find there is every act, passion, evil, and even good deeds you ever live with are written down in your subconscious mind. They don't die. Everything you are involved in is recorded in that God's book, which is you. And so when you stand before God, it's like an x-ray. Everything that you have ever done is revealed. Are you done with me? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Wherever you may be, your biography is written down. All your secret deals are written down somewhere in your subconscious mind. There is nothing you ever consider in life that is evil. With negative passions, language, etc. That are not written down in your genetic code. They are there. Stored up in your subconscious mind. They actually express your passion and your person and your nature. Is that okay? Everything that you are ever doing is written down in your subconscious mind. Look at the laptop there. You have the hard drive. You feed in the hard drive with information. Is that okay? Yeah, you click a button, everything pops up. That's what we're saying. Your subconscious mind is a hard drive. That contains everything that you are doing. So you stand before God. You are x-rayed before him. You will be reading yourself. Hallelujah. Your book will be open. 
There is nothing you will ever do that is not written down in your subconscious mind. As recorded in the book of God which has written. And that book is you. Praise the living God. It's the very side of God. Every person is a book. In that they written with a mind and a character that is just about everything that you are. Which you represent. Everything. Everything. Praise the living God. So just look at Matthew 12 verse 34. I'll just show you something here. So when talking about the books, it's not as if there's a catalog of files, of files, of files somewhere. Ah! Church, church. <laughs> Hallelujah. I retired a few years ago in civil service. Remember that? And then, last month, they called me that they want to get my file out, so that they can go process some document. They've been searching for that file for almost two months. Huh? Something from 1996. To be able to locate that file is an issue. Then billions of people that have died, everybody put their file. You look at the way it's going to be. You see how, you see how we think as human beings? Hallelujah. That's how I was saying that in our age, we are faster and much, much ahead of God because you can store everything in the hard drive of the computer, you click a button, it comes up. But God is using books. Huh? Is he using books? You find pen, put in ink and you write. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Matthew 12, 34. Oh, glory. Oh, generation of vipers. What that? Snakes? Was that devil, if you will? Vipers are snakes. Hallelujah. Why do you think Jesus referred to this word vipers? Because they are crafty, they are cunning, they are deceptive, they are liars. Hallelujah. Generation of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But look at the next thing. A good man out of the good treasure of heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth what? Evil things. And I want you to know the word treasure. There are qualities of things that you possess. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof where? On the day of judgment. Because that's what is treasure to you. Did you get that? Right. That is where your treasure is. And your treasure will be exposed before God. When you stand before God. So when you stand before him. All that is in you. Which is stuck there. From which you speak those rough and horrible languages, they are exposed before God. You see yourself naked of who you really are. And that will determine the next stage on what God intends to do to you. Praise the living God. Are we see here? And I want you to pick that because it's very important. Very important. Praise the Lord. 
So that's what the Bible is telling us here. From the abundance of the mouth and the heart, the mouth speak it. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That's where your book is open. So when you say the dead stand before God and the books were open, it says that when God stands before you or you stand before God, everything in your life is exposed and exposed. As a matter of fact, you will come to start seeing who you are. Praise the living God, somebody. Are you listening to me? Have you ever done something once and you never thought people would know and they get to know? How do you feel? You feel embarrassed? You feel ashamed? Your book just got open. You just passed through a judgment. Hallelujah. Come on, are you there with me? Have you, as a woman, had issue with your husband? But outside, you always feel, oh, come on, very loving couples, wonderful people. And accidentally, your neighbor walks into the house, and here you are, boxing with your husband. All of a sudden, you want to stop, because somebody just came in. Your book just got open. That you are a troublesome woman or you are a troublesome man. Your book just opened. Your neighbor just read you. I don't know if you get what I'm talking about. So, you see, it's a daily thing. It's not something that, no, it's a daily thing. The words you speak, they are daily words. Am I right? Praise the Lord. Your book just got opened. Your neighbor came in to meet you, decking with your husband. And now you are pretending, oh, honey, honey. No, no, no. Before you start thinking to do honey, the neighborhood just opened the door and saw you fighting. Your book just got opened. That this marriage, there's a problem. Are you getting that? And that's what we're talking about. So, God's intention is not one day to come, the future. I am saying it every day of your life, your book is being opened and you're being read. By all men. I'll make it show you the book of Second Corinthians. Say the wind letters of commendation or recommendation. Don't say no. Say you are written with the spirit and you are read by all men. Every day people read you. That's how sometimes behave and say, oh, but I thought you are a Christian. You you be you want to be arguing and all that. But I thought you are a Christian. I'm surprised about this. Your book just got open, and the people are reading a different thing from the book you claim to be carrying. Are you listening to me? Praise the living God. So you can't pretend. That's that's one thing about it. You should rather allow. That's why you should allow God's judgment to come to purge you of those hidden things, so that you don't pretend before people to be an angel when the truth says. You are, I don't know how to describe you. No language for who you are. You better let the judgment come and expose those things before they kill you. Praise the living God. Somebody. Are you still following me? I know today's one is not sweet, you know. <laughs> Glory to God. Yeah, but this is what judgment is all about. You see, every day 
we get exposed and people begin to see. Oh, I was thinking this brother. Oh, I was thinking this sister. When they start saying, I was thinking, I mean, they read a chapter in your book. And what was written in that chapter that day is different from what we were thinking about. So every day you have a book that is open. One chapter is open, one in a while, unknown to you. By your conduct, your attitude, and your languages. As people see you, they read you. Hallelujah. The day you stand is something an old man. People look at you and say, I'm surprised. Is that sister or that brother doing that? What happened? A chapter of your book just got opened before men. Hallelujah. Are you still following this? I, I wish you understand what I'm saying tonight. I am saying that when you stand before God, anytime you stand before God, your book is what? Is open. God will read you. Men also read you on a daily basis. We got to know who you are by the way you talk, by the action. Remember this thing, mighty 12. Out of the treasure of a good man, you bring up good food. Out of the treasure of an evil man, bring up evil things. That means there is a deposit of life that you carry. And it can be exposed anytime. So what kind of life do you carry? What kind of spirit do you carry? What are the treasures in your life? How do they look like? Can I read you? Can somebody nearby read you? Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people say, come, say, come on, don't judge me. Oh, you're deceiving yourself. Your book just got opened, a chapter just opened that day, and we're going to judge you. I don't judge you, man. I don't. I don't think. I was not thinking that you can be this. You can do this. We judge you. I know you know. It's a judging just. So why is it a smaller matter to judge human beings? We judge. We judge by saying, "Man, I'm surprised." Hallelujah. How you get what I'm talking about? Yeah, I say, don't judge me. You can judge men. Yeah, I agree. But man, if you open your book, I'm going to tell you what you wrote. Feel like calling judgment? Feel like I'm calling judgment? I don't know. Anytime your book is open, I'm going to read it. And I will tell you, man, I read a chapter of your book today. It was horrible. That's judgment. No, you know, they are judge angels. How much more? Smaller matters. So, yes, I agree. Jesus. That's not judge. Yes, that's the only thing we pick up. But I'm saying every day you expose yourself to judgment. Because you stand before the Spirit of the Lord. You definitely be able to know that. It x-rays you. It opens you up. And remember, First Corinthians tells us something, chapter 11. It tells us that if we judge ourselves, we have no need for God to do what? To judge us. That means it's good that we have good treasures so that what comes out of our mouth will be edifying to the hearers so that they don't judge us because we can judge ourselves. So that is why sometimes you allow God to judge you to remove those things that will enable you not to be opening yourself, opening chapters to people to read and then begin to see you negatively for who you claim to be. Praise the living God, somebody. Did I help you tonight? God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.